Hello folks, Gary Washburn here with the 13th edition of the Washburn Files podcast as we talk Celtics and the NBA and everything in between. It's uh, the beginning of April and it's uh, sports world is kicking in. I mean, just you got to love it. Uh, baseball's beginning. Opening day was Thursday. Um, all the teams now are in action. Fans in the ballpark on a limited basis. So that's 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 encouraging for as we try to approach normalcy. We have um, NSA women's basketball. Let's touch on that. The Final Four, Stanford, South Carolina, UConn, and Arizona. I'm a Pac-12 guy myself, so good to see two Pac-12 teams in the Final Four. But that UConn-Baylor game is going to be the talk of the tournament, unless there's a better game in the next in the next couple of days. And boy, that's a tough way to end the season for Baylor. I thought the young lady Carrington got fouled. I don't think there was any doubt. I know officials don't want to influence the game, but by not making the call, you influence the game because you had a UConn player get or two get away with blatant fouls. So um, that was a tough ending for Baylor. You feel bad for them. UConn advances to the Final Four. I think they're 16th in a row, which is uh, insane. But uh, should be some great games. The men's tournament, UCLA goes from the first four to the Final Four. Gonzaga undefeated. Houston and Baylor about battle of uh, Texas schools, the old Southwest Conference opponents. Um, so that should be fun. You know, how are you guys' brackets doing? Mines, well, I did have Gonzaga and Houston in the Final Four. So I'm looking okay there. I get a 50% on that. Um, I didn't have UCLA making it to the Final Four. And I definitely, uh, I had Baylor out too. I think I had uh, Ohio State and Alabama, my two teams. That obviously didn't work out. Um, and you got NFL draft talk. The NFL draft is this month. And then you got the NBA and you have the Celtics. Um, fans have been in, allowed in the garden now for two games. And the Celtics 0-2 in those games. And the fans have not been suggest, subjected to a lot of quality basketball. It's been unfortunate, if you're a Celtic fan, what's gone on with this team this season. And these last two games just summarize how difficult of a season this has been. Um, seven straight home games. Before the Celtics had this stretch, they played the most home game, sorry, road games of any team in the NBA. So... A welcome stretch of seven home games. And you're thinking, okay, they come home 500. And you're thinking, okay, they can really put some games away, get three or four games ahead of 500, try to put a lock on that fourth seed. Because that's the best they can do at this point is four. Okay, so you're looking at likely a first-round matchup with Charlotte and Miami. Then if you get past them, likely the Nets or maybe the Sixers, but I think the Nets are going to edge out the Sixers for the number one seed. No, but if 
Steve Nash decides to rest his guys down the stretch and Durant doesn't come back, et cetera, et cetera, the Sixers could take it. Um, I think if you're the Celtics, you'd rather play Philadelphia than Brooklyn. But that's your road, okay? Not easy. You botched the chance to get in the top three seeds. So now you're chasing four, and you're within a couple of games. So it's get it's it's doable, but you gotta you gotta play some good basketball. Okay, you gotta play some good basketball. I mean that's the thing about underachieving teams or underachieving people, right? You go and you say, well, underachiever, if you achieve over the next couple of weeks, you'll be more. You won't be an underachiever anymore. But there's a reason why they call people underachievers and teams underachieving because they don't consistently achieve. So you keep saying, well, if the Celtics put together a nice stretch of six wins and eight games, they'll definitely. But they're not capable of that. They, we, haven't, we haven't seen that yet. They started out eight and three. OK. They're, they're now 23 and 25. So that's 15 and 22 in the last 37 games. That's below average. This is a below average team at this point. And these last two games are just summarized. I mean, the Pelicans, I thought, would be a tricky game. When I looked at the schedule, it was New Orleans, Dallas, Houston, Charlotte, New York, Minnesota. You look at that stretch, you're like, Houston and Minnesota should be easy, must wins. you got to win those two games. The Knicks game will be tough. You can, sh you should be able to get that. And Charlotte, who knows what's going to happen when Rozier and Hayward come back. They're going to want to score 40 each. That's going to be a tough game. But Charlotte's not a great road team, but they're a quality team. They don't have LaMelo Ball right now. That's a game you should be able to get. But... In Philadelphia, I think they just I think that's an L at this point. I think the Sixers are playing too well in the row. And they'll have Embiid back. So I was thinking five and two. That's a good home stand. You build up, you you leave three games above five hundred, go back on the road to an interesting little quick three game road trip to Denver, the um Portland and the Lakers. Then you come back home to the Warriors and you and you continue to try to hammer out home wins. The Celtics lose the first two games of this homestand. I thought they would split. I didn't think they would beat back to back, beat Zion, then beat Luca. Didn't think it was going to happen. I just didn't see it. And I was right. But I thought they'd win one. And let's go over the New Orleans game. The Pelicans are a solid team, but they're under 500. Okay? And remember the last time these two play, teams played in February, the Pelicans overcame a 24-point deficit and won the game in overtime. So if you're the Celtics, aren't you a little pissed? Don't you want to prove to them that they're, you're the better team? It's something like they forgot that game. It's like that game never happened. It's like the memories are so short. Like, you don't remember them, you know, coming back on you and beating you in overtime and embarrassing you on national television on a Sunday afternoon when you looked so good. I think they were up 
something like that. No, no, let me get this wrong. It was like 86-60, something like that. 24-point lead, you're cruising midway through the third quarter, then suddenly you stop playing ball. Now, the Pelicans are not a good three-point shooting team. They're bottom 10 in the NBA. I think they're 22nd in the NBA in three-point makes. The Pelicans hit 10 in the first half. 10. That's embarrassing. You can't have that happen. Your defense has to be better. Your, your defense has to be better. And I know some of the um, players who hit them were on, you know, weren't expected to. Eric Bledsoe, for the game, hit four. I think he hit two in the first half. Kyra Lewis, you know, rookie from Alabama, he hit two. Josh Hart hit hit a couple. You know, those guys are 33% three-point shooters. So guys, it's like a Marcus Smart thing. One, You know, occasionally Smart's going to hit a couple threes and get hot. And I know the other team's like, stop that guy. He can't shoot. It happens. But you have to respond and play better defense. The Celtics trailed by nine at halftime, eight or nine. They came back. And then they mentally just slipped. And you can blame Marcus Smart because on this situation because I think Smart definitely dropped the ball in more ways than one. In this game, he was ejected late for arguing calls. But a key sequence, the Celtics briefly had a lead, 72-70. The Pelicans bounced back. It was 80-76. The Celtics forced a jump ball. They played good, good defense. They forced a jump ball with Brandon Ingram with, I think, under maybe a 1.1 left, something like that, on the shot clock or even less than a second. So if you're the Pelicans, there's no benefit to winning the jump because you, you don't have enough time to even, by the time the ball gets tipped, someone touches it, they literally have to fire it at the rim. You don't have time to dribble, to call a play. You don't have time to pass. You're basically, you have no adva advantage from trying to win the tip. So when the ball was thrown up, I think it was Robert Williams who tipped it, tipped it back to Marcus Smart. And unfortunately for Smart, the clock official score did not call the change of possession yet. So the Marcus had a straight look at the, the the shot clock above the rim, sorry, above the opposing basket, and saw that it was like running down. So he decides to fire up a 45-50 footer. Okay. Free, you know, brain freeze here. Marcus, it wasn't your ball. That it was the Pelicans ball. Why in the world are you shooting? And why are you taking a half-court shot? Like, just so many questions here. Marcus, did you not understand that if the team who has the ball has a jump, the shot clock doesn't reset because 
that would that discourages teams from let's say a team is about to critical possession teams about to uh run out of time in the shot clock x player holds the ball out to, to so someone could grab it and force a jump opposing player and then they get the jump they win the tip and get a free fresh clock that prevents that from happening there's no incentive for Ingram to jump, so he didn't. So I don't know if you said Ingram fooled Marcus, but something happened there where Marcus completely misunderstood the situation, fired a half-court shot, miss. The Pelican players are laughing at him. Marcus has been approached by Kimball Walker, and he's got some kind of explanation for Kimball Walker. It's like, no, dude, you were wrong. No, bro. No. What had happened was is here. You literally botched the play. It was our ball. Down four in the fourth quarter and a chance to cut it to two. Okay? Instead, what happens? Marcus fires the half-court shot out of bounds. Pelicans come back. Ingram hits a three. Seven-point game. So instead of cutting it to two or one, you're down seven. It's just discouraging. That's the kind of plays that basically ruin ruin games for you. What botches your chance to win? And then Marcus gets thrown out late in the game, arguing a call. The Celtics rally, cut it to two. Ingram hits a pull. Sorry, cut it to three late in the game. Ingram hits a step back. Long two, the kind of ice it. Like, why does it take the Celtics to the fourth quarter to play with sense of urgency? And remember, earlier this season, and recently, they've been a bad team down the stretch. They've been a team that can't handle fourth quarter down the stretch. But in this situation, now they're playing. Uh, they're playing t good in the fourth quarter, but it's too late. Way too late. And the Dallas game again. So you lose that one. You come back. The Mavericks, again, not a great three-point shooting team. They hit ten in the first half. Luca, Luca's one of the great best players in the league. He's what, 21? I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, not even close. But you got to do something to get the ball out of his hands. If you remember the last meeting, he just hit, hit like two step-back 30-footers to win the game, including one, one at the buzzer. Like, you got to get the ball out of his hands. You've already been burned by him. The Celtics play passive defense, or they put Smart on them, thinking Smart's a bulldog. Smart will get them. No. No. It didn't work. Luka hits threes in anybody's face. You see the Clippers playoff game?
You see the Clippers playoff game? You see when he hit that damn um, long three? He's a clutch player. He's a 35% three-point shooter, right? But there's nights he, he's, he's an 80%er. So you got to get the ball out of his hands. And what happened? National TV game, another ESPN game. Luka embarrassed them. And then what do they do? They fall behind by as many as 22. They rally. And then they miss about four or five chances to make it more interesting with an open three. And they end up losing by five. Um, you know, Jalen Brunson hits four free throws down the stretch and then a layup. And they lose 113-108. But they were down 19 and a half. Okay. Dallas is 25 and 21. Dallas is not a great team. Okay. They're not a great team. So the thing is, you're losing to teams that don't play well the road. I mean, Dallas is a better road team than home team. New Orleans, Monday was their seventh road win. They're 7 and 14 on the road. They're not a good road team. Okay? Not a good road team. But they've beaten the Celtics twice. I mean, let's look at this. The Celtics have lost to the Grizzlies, two to, twice to the Kings, twice to the Pelicans, five losses to three teams in the West who are not top eight seeds. Okay, I'm not going to, you know, they've lost twice to the Mavericks. Okay, that's a Luka. You can give that to Luka. And then let's go to the to the East. One loss to the Pacers. One loss to the Wizards. One loss to the Cavaliers. Two losses to the Pistons. That's five. Eight losses to teams, sorry, ten losses to teams who aren't the top eight seeds. And you have 25 losses. 40% of your losses are the teams you games you should win. Teams you should beat. Games you walked into the arena as a favorite. Two losses to the Pistons, who have 34 losses. Two losses to the Kings, who are 22 and 26. Okay? I mean, this is just a, you got to be better. And what in in the confusing part is no one knows how to be better. No one knows what to do. I tell you what, what happens. The Celtics don't take the game serious enough when it starts. And that's not to say that they don't want to win or but they just have agendas. Jason Tatum always wants to start the game by hitting threes. It's super predictable. Tatum wants to, he feels like, I got plenty of time to attack the basket. Let me get my three game going. Let me get, let me get some threes up. Same with Jalen. No one attacks the basket. And the thing about um, the Celtics is they lack a third score. 
Like, Kimba Walker hasn't been it this season. Kimba Walker, you know, he he plays. Like, I don't have anything against him. I don't think he he's trying not to play well. I don't think that he's – I think he's a, a quality player. Um, Obviously not a, a Kyrie Irving um, or anything like that. But – he has um he has a lot of skills. I mean, he averaged nearly 26 points a game a couple of years ago. Right? Nearly 26 points a game a couple of years ago. He has um the ability to take over games when you know, in a situation where it's advantageous. And in Charlotte it seemed like he had a lot of situations where he had to take over games. There's a lot of pressure on him. He was the only he was the only man on the team, pretty much only reliable scorer, and he took that responsibility on and he flourished. In this situation now, that's not happening. And if you're the Celtics, um there's nothing you can really do. I mean, you got to ride it out. You got to ride it out. You got to hope that Kimba gets better because he's not going anywhere. Kimba has to be better in terms of um, making shots early in games and also making shots late in games. Okay? That's very important. Like, let's look at his, his numbers against the Mavericks, okay? In the first half, let's look here, sorry. Kimba was two for nine for four points and a minus 14. Okay. Two... His Luca, 24 points and a plus 15. Kimba, 0 for 4 from 3. He played 16 minutes. He was 2 for 9. Hence, the Celtics were down at halftime, 64 to 49. The second half, Kimba scores 18 points on 5 of 10 shooting. Two for five from three. And he gets to the free throw line six times, hits all six. He's a plus 15. Okay. And the Celtics outscore the Mavericks in that half, 63 to 49. Do you understand, like, how critical he is to this team? I don't think people do. I don't think people understand. I think, you know... I think there's kind of been a, well, he's not Kyrie. Well, let's throw in the towel. It, it, it just hasn't worked. And I understand that. But Kimba's a good ball player when he's on. Like, he played 21 minutes in the second half. Stevens kept him out there for a while. And he was able to get his 18 points. And he was a plus 15. The Celtics were a better team than him on the floor. Because he was scoring. 
and they're a better team overall when he's scoring. And Tatum and Brown are going through growing pains. Tatum has been way too ISO heavy. You know, he's frustrated because he doesn't get to the free throw line. That's one thing. I think he's a level of frustration. So there's the like, where's my call? The raising of his hands uh, to the officials. Where? How come there ain't a foul? I get it. Because for a quote-unquote superstar, if you want to call him that, for an all-star, he doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. And I know there's a level of frustration for him, but you have to accept it, that you're just not that guy right now, and you got to get back on defense. you got to stop complaining about calls. Okay. Dan got to the line four times against the Mavericks. Jalen Brown got to the line four times. Marcus Smart got to the line six. So Marcus got to be, he creates more free throws. So if you're the Celtics, like something needs to change. Like your mental approach is all messed up. You're easing into games. Um, you're, you're just letting teams dominate you early. I mean, Luka just embarrassed them, just like Trey Young did a couple of weeks ago. Like hitting shots, hitting these, like, uh, you know, it was like N1 mixtape. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't let people like that. You can't be, let, let teams like that humiliate you. I'm not saying foul them hard or go 1980s bad boys on them. You know, that would have been done back then. You wouldn't do all that showboating. But you got to make some de- defensive adjustments. And, you know, Luca, 36 points on 11 for 15, shooting 7 for 11 from the three. My thing is, if, if, if some, some, most three point shooters who are like 36, 37%, they're up and down. Like, would you let LeBron? There's the games. LeBron is just, you know, he's on from three. Go to the night, you got to get the ball out of his hands. You can't let him walk up and take threes. You can't. Like, it's the same thing with, with, with the late, like a late Kobe Bryant. Not a great three-point shooter, but would you let him take a clutch three and just let him shoot? No, you're going to try to stop him. There's games where you just have to know your personnel. Okay? And this was the game that you had to get the ball out of Lucas' hands way before you did. Okay, way before you did. And what happened? It cost you a loss because you lost the game in the first half when you were down 19 points. Let's look at the second half, Luka. Luka finished the game with eight turnovers. Okay, Luka had six in the second half. Luka had 12 points, six turnovers, 
two assists, and he was a minus 17 the second half. So somehow the Celtics played better defense in the second half than the first, and they did what they were supposed to do defensively. They limited Dallas to six three-pointers in the second half, 45% shooting, and 14 turnovers in the second half. Dallas tried to lose this damn game. But when you fall behind 19 points and 20, as many as 22 in the second half, 19 points at halftime, means 22 in the second half, like, you got a lot of margin for error. The Celtics had to be perfect. In the second half, Celtics weren't. They were 7 for 23 from the three-point line. Half their shots in the second half were threes. Okay? From twos, there was 16 for 24. 67% from twos. But yet, they insist on launching them. Tatum in the second half from three. 0 for 4. Kimba 2 for 5. Jalen Brown 3 for 7. Jalen Brown took one two-point shot in the second half. And he made it. Tatum... Took 11 two-point shots. He made seven of them. See see a trend here? Like, go to the basket. Get to the free throw line. Cause some good trouble, as the great late John Lewis said. Cause some good trouble. Score with the clock stop. Get to the line. Put Dallas in the bonus. Lengthen the game. Instead of always trying to win the game with a damn three-point shot. And that's the sad part. The Celtics have somehow convinced themselves they're a very good three-point shooting team. They're not. Folks, they're not. And let's look at the stats. You want to know where the Celtics rank in three-point shooting? Let's look, folks. The Celtics are 12th in the league in three-point makes. And they are 13th in attempts. And they are 11th in percentage. They are better than mediocre, but not much better than mediocre. They're not top 10. The Clippers... Lead the league in three-point percentage of 41.7. Utah, the best best team in the league, is second, third, almost 40%. The Celtics, 37.3. Attempt, sorry, let's go to makes. Utah makes 17 a game. The Celtics, 13. Okay. The Pelicans, 23rd in the league, 11.3. So, if you're the Celtics, you're taking too many damn threes. Time to stop. Take the ball to the basket. And people have been writing me this, and I understand, and I get it. (laughs) Take the ball to the basket. Get to the line. Get some layups. Get some easy baskets. 
Tatum. Like, and I and I don't know when players start getting calls. Like, that's a good question. Like, how long before Jason Tatum starts getting calls from the officials? And B, question B, if you want to do your research here, write this down. Does complaining to the officials after every play help you get more calls? I would probably say hell no with, with, with that answer. Absolutely not. Tatum does not help himself by constantly flailing his arms and saying, that was a foul. Not in the least bit. But he keeps doing it. And it makes him frustrated, so he settles for threes. Brown wants to be a really good three-point shooter, and he is on his way to being a good three-point shooter. He had 10 in the last, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. He hit 10. And was that a good thing for him? Was that a good thing for Jalen Brown to hit 10 three-pointers in a game? Let's look at let's look at his numbers since. Okay, that 10 three-point game came against the Magic on March 21st. Since then, 3 for 11, 4 for 7, 4 for 9, 3 for 10, 4 for 11. Okay, not terrible. That is 18 for, let's see, 21, 30, 37, 18 for 48. It's not terrible. That's, a, you know, that's a solid clip. But you'd like him to see him attack the basket. Let's look at, like, against the Mavericks, 11 of his 17 shots were threes. Against the Thunder, 10 of his 23. Okay? And remember, in that Thunder game, he took five threes or four, I want to say five threes in the first six minutes of the game. He was just launching them. Nine of his 15 shots against the Bucks Friday were threes. Seven of his 16 against the first game against the Bucks. 11, so, and then he's, half of his shots are threes, if, if that, half of his shots. Okay, if you look at his numbers, and that has been a trend recently, because average-wise, seven of his 19 shots this year are threes, but for whatever reason... He is launching more threes, and sometimes when you hit 10 in a game, that's going to make you think you're Steph Curry and make you think that you can hit hit all those threes. And it just changes your whole game. But the Celtics have to become do something to get their, their mental together, as people, people say. They're taking – like, let's look at the – like – the Milwaukee game, they allowed 70 points in the first half against the Bucks. They're down 90 to 65. Then they make this crazy rally, come within two, and Daniel Tice could have won the game. His last shot as a Celtic could have won the game 
with a tie in three, he missed it. Cleveland, they tried they tra- by 15 at halftime against Cleveland. They just they look pathetic. 15 or 16. What happens? They rally all the way back almost, but then the the Cavs get a bunch a couple of breaks, get a couple of big shots, and they lose that game. Like it's the same thing. Like you can't play terrible first half basketball in this league. It just doesn't help you. And it's not only it doesn't help you, it prevents you from winning. What's wrong? That's the problem. It's just there's definitely a mental lapse here that the Celtics feel like they can ease in the games. Brown feels like, and him and Tatum, well, we got to get our three ball going. That opens up everything when we get the three. No, inside out. That's how you need to play. If you're a, if you're Tatum, like, his best work is done when he goes inside out. Not this like step back three, step back three, step back three. He starts out 0 for 4, 1 for 5, and then he suddenly picks it up. But off the floor, this team really has no leader. Like Kimba, I think, is a nice guy. I don't know if he's a leader. Trishan Thompson was supposed to have this championship DNA, but Trishan ain't been around. Trishan the second time in the protocol. Okay. What has been his impact on the team? We don't know. Then it was, well, they need to hire a former player to get through to him. So they hire Evan Turner. And I'm we're not around the team. This is a different time than uh, usual, obviously, because of the pandemic. And as reporters, you know, we could go to practice. You know, I could see the work that Kara Lawson was putting in with like a Carson Edwards or other guards. You could see who she was working with. You could see the impact. You could see all that. With Evan Turner, we have no clue Evan Turner's impact on this team. So is he getting through to the guys? I mean, Evan Turner's 33. So, okay, you know, he's 33 now. He's been he, he he's played in the league 10, 12 years. He should have that type of a um knowledge and ability to relate to younger guys to where he can uh reach them. Is that happening? We don't know. The fact is, is that nothing's, no one's getting through this team. Definitely not Brad Stevens. And I don't think Stevens should be fired, but I think there definitely needs to be a change of approach. Like you got to start playing. If guys aren't playing well in the first half, you got to start doing some hockey shifts and, and, and pulling guys from the game. If they get pissed, then you know what? Play better. But if you're down 20 in the first half, you know, you, you, you got to totally, you know, be up to being taken out the damn game. Like, that's what I think. You got to start sitting, guys. I mean, what else do you expect? You're not playing well. You didn't beat on D. You're not getting back. 
You complain to the officials too much. Get to the bench. Reflect. Sit down in the corner there in, in a little timeout area and think about it. We're going to put this guy in who's going to play hard 100% of the time. He might not be as good as you, but he's going to die for loose balls. He's going he's gonna to get back on D. He's going to take a charge. That's what it's about. Basic basketball. The fundamentals. Taking the charge. Being in the right place at the right time. Not getting discouraged if you miss a couple shots in a row. This team doesn't have mental fortitude or toughness to get through these things. Hence, they're losing. Hence, they're going to be an eighth seed and be in this play-in tournament, unless something changes. And I don't know what can change. Is it just hitting more threes? I don't think it's I don't think it's execution. I think it's mental. This team knows how to they're told the right things. But they're not doing them. And Stevens, instead of, you know, being Mr. Like, you know, congenial, he's got to. I mean, I'm not saying he's congenial with the guys. I'm sure he jumps on them. I'm sure he gets angry. But he's got to start taking some playing time away from some of these guys if they don't get a step up. Give Aaron Neesmith a chance. Give Taco a chance. Give Tremont Waters. If that's what it comes down to. And you don't want to come to that. But it seems like that's what it's coming to. You know what? Bench a guy in the second half. I didn't like the way his approach was. That's the one thing about baseball. When I covered baseball, if a dude didn't run out of grounder, you pulled his ass from the game. The manager pulled his ass from the game. If he didn't treat the game right, he paid the price. And in basketball, it's this respect and the players are highly paid. I, I understand all that. But there has to be some type of change and discipline in this team that isn't, isn't there. And, is, and Steven's got to prove that he's the coach to do it. If not, then, I mean, either you change the personnel, you change the coach, or you change the philosophy. You don't all of a sudden go from Mr. Rogers to Bobby Knight. Like, but there's got to be some type of repercussions for, the, for these guys' actions to where they can, they feel like, they're looking over their shoulder like, hey, if I don't die for this loose ball, if I don't take this charge, if I'm bitching at officials about a call instead of getting back on D, I'm getting pulled from the game. And that's more of a college thing. But if you've got to take a college mentality to this right now to get these guys straight, that's what you're going to have to do. That's my solution. Like, just go back to basics. Whoever plays better, plays. Whoever plays harder, plays. Forget salaries. Forget anything else. Why am I not playing? Because you didn't play hard enough. You're not playing well enough. And, you you know, even if you're not playing, if you're playing hard. So, folks, that's it for this week's edition of the Washburn Podcast. We'll have more to talk about next week. By next week, we'll have an NCAA champion in women's and men's basketball. Uh, we'll know some more about what the Celtics are up to. We'll see if uh, they make some changes. And we'll cover uh, the NBA. We'll have special guests as the season winds down. I promise some special guests, and definitely we'll have one next week. So, folks, thank you. Enjoy the sports weekend, NCAA tournament, men's and women's. 
baseball season, etc. And stay safe out there, mask up, and we will talk to you next week on The Washburn.